We are in a series I started about three weeks ago called Freedom. Freedom. And it is really us going through the book of Galatians, the New Testament book of Galatians. And what we discovered in the first week and uh, what I shared was the fact that Galatians is actually a letter uh, that the Apostle Paul is writing to a church. And he's writing this letter to a church to address some issues. And one of the main issues that Paul is addressing is the fact that in this church, there were some people that came into the church that began to uh, teach or preach a, what he called a different gospel. Say different gospel. Different gospel. And what this different gospel was, was simply uh, somebody state, stating that what Jesus did uh, was not enough uh, for them to earn their salvation or was not enough for their salvation. What Jesus did was not enough for them to be welcomed into the family of God. And so this different gospel was being taught in this church. And what was happening was the, these, these Jewish leaders were coming in telling these non-Jews like, hey, it's good that you received and you believe what Jesus did and all, but, but there's still more you have to do to really be saved. There's still more you have to do to be welcomed into the family of God. And in this case, they were saying, hey, what, you non-Jews need to start conforming to the way us Jews live. Meaning there, there are certain laws and customs that you need to start obeying. There are certain laws and customs that you need to start living by in order for you to really be saved. In order for you to really be welcomed into the family of God. And so these leaders were putting uh, these, these bondages on these non-Jewish people making them believe that there was still more that they had to do. And unfortunately for many in the church today, there, there are leaders within the church today that will do the same to many men and women within the church. They will put on you the fact that uh, this belief of this different gospel that, hey, it's cool what Jesus did on the cross. Isn't that so awesome what he did? But, but, but there's still more that you've got uh, uh, to do to prove your righteousness. There's still more that you've got to do to get righteous. There's still more that you've got to do to be saved. And so what, what happens is there are men and women walking around within the church uh, uh, in bondage to what, what actually Chris was talking about earlier, man, you were preaching my message, dude. Like, I could have just packed it up and went home already. But, but, but they're walking around with this bondage, this bondage of religion and rules and regulations, this bondage of legalism with this belief that there's just still more that they have to do to be loved and accepted by God. And that Jesus is not enough. And so in week one, we, we discussed the fact that this freedom that we need to walk in, we need to walk in this freedom that Jesus provides for us. We need to choose to walk in this freedom that we have in Jesus. And so in week two, last week, we, we, we talked about how to stay free. And we, we, we discovered the fact that in order for us to stay free, we need to master the art of dying. We need to die to ourselves. We need to die to our flesh. We need to uh, uh, die to our pride. We need to die to ourselves. We need to decrease so that Jesus increases. Like we, we need to die to ourselves in order for us to truly stay free. That there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves that would make God love us any more or any less. And so today, uh, Paul in his letter, we'll be in chapter 3 this morning, Galatians 3. Paul in his letter is, is not fully convinced, obviously, that, that they're getting it yet. 
He's not fully convinced that what he's already said is enough for them. And so he's going to continue on in his letter addressing this issue, addressing this freedom to them. Galatians chapter 3, we'll begin at verse 1 this morning. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul opens up this way. You foolish Galatians. Paul, tell us what you're really thinking, right? You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Uh, another translation says, who, is, who has cast a spell on you? Meaning, who has got you believing these lies? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And so what Paul is saying is, he says, when I preached the gospel to you, he says, man, I presented Jesus in such a way. That, that I presented Jesus in such a way that was so clear and so vivid, it, it was almost as if you were there. Like, like I, I displayed Jesus for you. I, I revealed Jesus to you. It was almost as if you were there. He was so clearly portrayed as crucified. But then he goes on to say, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And so now Paul is saying, look, I, I presented Jesus to you. I, I, I told you what he did for you. I, I, I revealed to you this, this new freedom that you have. I, I revealed to you this new salvation that you have. Now let me ask you a question. When you heard that, did you receive the Spirit? Did you receive salvation by anything that you did? Or did you simply just believe what you heard? And so Paul is, 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 is throwing the question back at them and saying, man, how did you get saved in the first place? It wasn't based off anything that you did. I didn't ask you to do anything. I didn't tell you to do good works. I didn't tell you to, 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 to have good behavior. I didn't tell you to change your behavior. I just presented Jesus to you. And so how did you receive salvation? Well, obviously, you believed what you heard. And he said, if that's the case, what makes you think that there's anything more you can do to keeping your salvation? He said, if you received it by believing what you heard, if you received it by the Spirit, what makes you think there's more that you can do in and of yourselves to stay saved? You believe what you heard. You believe the message of the cross. You believe the message of Jesus. You believe the message of his crucifixion, that he died for your sins. You believed the message that what, because of what Jesus did, he makes you righteous. You believed the message of Jesus that because of him, he makes you right with God. And if you go down to verse 10, he continues on. He says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And so he's saying, look, if, if, if you, if you want to do this in your own merit, if you want to do this in your own strength, if you want to do this by simply obeying the law, then there's no hope for you. There's no hope for you. He says you're cursed. 
if you try to live in perfection under the law. Now, let's, let's put it in our own context today, right? Something that we can probably understand. Um, let, let, we know the Ten Commandments, right? Do you know the Ten Commandments? Do you know them by heart, all ten of them? Who said yes? Because this mic is coming right to you. Oh, y'all getting all nervous now, right? You're like, what's it? Genesis, Exodus. Who knows the Ten Commandments by heart? By heart and can say them super fast without thinking about it. Then y'all are in trouble. Because, see, there, there, there are people that, that think, if we put it in our context, that, that, man, if I can just follow all ten of the commandments, if I can just get all ten of the commandments right, if I can live according to that, then, then, then that's my means for salvation. That's what they were putting on these Jews. They were saying, man, if you, you need to live according to these laws. You need to live according to these commands. And for us, it's the same thing. We need to live according to the Ten Commandments. He says, if you live according to that standard, man, you're already messed up because it is impossible for you to keep all ten at one time. It's impossible. You can't do it. You're cursed. There's no hope for you. In fact, James 2.10 says, for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So you can't say, hey, at least I got six out of ten. He said, even if you keep all nine and break just one, it's as if you're guilty of the whole thing. He says, you can't live according to that standard because it is impossible for you to live according to that standard. It is impossible for you to be saved according to obeying all 10 of the commandments because you can't do it. But see, unfortunately, many of us live under the standard of, well, hey, well, at least I got six out of 10. At least, at least I'm, 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 I'm doing good, and I got a good average on these, obeying these commandments. But, but the Bible's pretty clear, man. You, if you even break just one of them, you're already guilty. You're already condemned. You are cursed. In other words, Paul is telling the man, you're doing too much. Look at your chair neighbor and say, you're doing too much. Some of on your, in your salvation, you're doing too much. You're doing things God has never asked you to do. And so Paul is trying to drive this point home to these Galatians. He's like, look, if you didn't come into this thing by doing anything to earn it, what makes you think you can keep it by anything that you do? He says, if you want to live under the law, then then go ahead and do it. But you're cursed. There's no hope for you. And unfortunately, that's a standard that that many of us live by. We we think that if we could just having our good outweigh the bad, then then that makes us righteous before God or that that makes God pleased with us. But Paul is saying that's not the way to do it. That's not what he's called you to do. That's not the freedom that he's called you to. And so then Paul After addressing the fact that, hey, yeah, you see the laws, you see the Ten Commandments. If you you live according to those as as means of your salvation, then you're already cursed. You're already messed up. So then Paul asked a question that probably many people are asking then. Go down to verse uh, 19. 
He says, why then was the law given at all? Like, what's the point? Why is the law there? Why are the commandments there? Why, why do we need to post them everywhere? Why do we need to see them? Why, why do they even exist if you're telling me that if I live according to those, then I'm already cursed? He says, why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions, meaning our sins, until the seed to whom the promise referred had come, talking about Jesus. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. So basically saying, Paul was, was addressing to them saying, man, you, you needed the law because the law needed to show you how sinful you were. He said you needed the law because you needed boundaries. Because y'all are some evil people. And, and, and can you imagine a society without law? Like we got laws now and people still break them. Can you imagine roads with no speed limits? Like, why do they even allow cars to be sold in the U.S. that go over 100 miles per hour? Street legal. Only so you can break it. See, just one mile over the speed limit is you breaking the law. Am I right, William? Right? Right? So, so why Paul is telling him, look, man, without the law, you, like you needed the law. You needed boundaries. And it's these, these laws and these boundaries that show us how sinful we are. Looking at the Ten Commandments and you read them all and you may, you may know them by memory. You may have memorized them, but can you truly live by them 24 hours a day, seven days a week? And so Paul is just trying to drive this point home to the Galatians. He's like, look, quit trying to live as if that's the means of your salvation. Quit trying to live as if there's anything that you can do to make God love you more. He says the law was necessary just to show you how sinful you are. And then if you go down to verse 24, it says, so the law was our guardian was our boundary, was our guardrails until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. And so what does that mean? Well, now that you see the law, and, 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 and according to Jewish customs, there were, there were hundreds of laws that they abided by. But in our context, let's just say the Ten Commandments, right? If you say, hey, as long as you can live by every single one of these commandments, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not breaking, not even one, then you can be saved. Some of y'all would just give on up like, dude, I just can't do that. that that's impossible. I can't do it, man, because I know my heart I know my innermost thoughts. I know how dark I, I, I am. I know what I'm thinking when nobody else is thinking. I know what's on the secrets that I keep. I, I know all these things. And man, if, if, if that's the case, then man, I'm, I'm hopeless to try to keep up with these Ten Commandments. There's no hope for me. And so what was the purpose of the law? To draw us to Jesus. 
Because if we can't keep the law, if we can't obey every single one of these commandments, then we need somebody who can. And Jesus did. Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfectly sinless life, died on a cross for our sin. He died on a cross because he knew we could not live up to the standard of solely following the law. Because, see, we, we break the law. We break the commands every day. And the rightful penalty for breaking the law is death, is judgment. But Jesus came and says, you know what? I'm not going to put that on them. Go ahead and put that on me. Father, put, put it on me. I'll come and live the perfect life for them that they couldn't live. And I'll go ahead and die on a cross for them, taking the judgment that they deserved, and go ahead and put it on me. See, the law draws us to Christ. The law draws us to say, man, we need him. We need a savior. We need Jesus. And Jesus covers it all. Jesus fulfills it all. The law leads us to Christ. And this is what we call the beautiful power of grace. Grace. Grace simply means it's, it's, it's God's unmerited favor. Meaning his, it is God's unearned favor, meaning favor and a gift from God that we didn't earn. It is God gracing us or blessing us with a gift that we did nothing to earn. God has graced us with Jesus. He's graced us with salvation. He's given it to us. And so part of really the whole of walking in the freedom is really us walking in grace. It's walking in the gift that God has given to us, the gift that he has freely given to us. And so what I want to do for the next few moments that I have you is I just want to break down grace. Because it's hard for us to walk in freedom if we don't know what grace is. It's hard for us to walk in the way that God wants us to walk. It's hard for us to walk in the standards that God wants us to walk in if we don't truly know what grace is. And so let's talk about grace for a few moments. And I know it'll bless you and I know it'll free you. But I just want you to come to an understanding of it. The way Paul was addressing the church in Galatia is the same way I want us to come to the understanding of grace that we would come to the understanding of all that Jesus did for us. So the first thing we need to know about grace is that grace is free. It is free. How much is grace? Free. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. So he's saying the cost of sin is death. 
How many of us have ever sinned before? I'm just, I'm just scoping the crowd so you didn't raise your hand. Right? Yeah, okay. We've all sinned. And the cost of that is death. What that means is you deserve to die. You deserve to die. If you've ever lied before, you deserve to die. If you've ever stolen anything before, you deserve to die. Ever stolen a pen from work before? You deserve to die. For the wages of sin is death. That's what sin gives you. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, gifts are free. See, if you ever have to pay for a gift, it's not really a gift. When I give you a gift, I'm giving it to you. Not because you're giving me anything in return. I'm gifting this to you. And God is gifting Jesus to us. It is free. There is nothing you could ever do to earn Jesus. There is nothing you could ever do to earn salvation. Grace is free. But not only is grace free, but grace is received by faith. It's received by faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift, right? We see this again, a gift, a freely given gift of God. Not by works, so that no one could boast. See, if we, if we had a means of earning our salvation, like, like if there were things that I could do to earn my salvation, I'd probably wear it on a T-shirt. Like, I don't want everybody to know what I did to get saved. Right? Like, I, 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 like, social media would be blasted with how good I am. I'm saved because I did this. I'm saved because I gave to the poor. I'm saved because I helped a lady crossed the street. I am saved because I'm a great humanitarian. I'm saved. And, and, and so he says, look, it's not about that because if that was the case, people would be boasting all day long of how they got saved. But he said, grace is, comes by faith. It comes by believing what you heard. Well, what did you hear? The glorious gospel of Jesus, the good news. That I was a sinner destined to die in hell, but Jesus came and said, nope, that's not going to happen for you. I take the penalty for you. I take the cross for you. All I did was believe it. I believed it. And I was a recipient. I saw that grace gift and I said, hey. Thank you, God. It's received by faith. It's free, and it's received by faith. Another thing we need to know about grace is this, is that grace is for everyone. Say everyone. God is not selective on who receives grace and who doesn't. 
He made it available to everyone. He made it available to everyone. Romans 10, 13, for everyone, say everyone. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what? Will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. God was not selective. So what does that mean for us? We can't be selective either. See, unfortunately, there are some folks, maybe not in here, but there are some people that you see, that you know, that you don't want to be in heaven with. Like, there's some people you're just like, dude, I do not want to be in heaven with that person. They just don't belong. I don't like them. But see, if God wasn't selective with grace, then then we can't be either. What does the Bible mean when it says everyone? It means everyone. It means even the people that the person that has caused you the most pain deserves grace. Even the most wicked, evilest person on the face of the earth deserves grace. And it's for everyone. It's for everyone. Well, then, then how, how do people wind up in hell? They didn't want the gift. They didn't want it. God offered it, and they refused it. I'd rather live under the law. I'd rather live under these Ten Commandments. I'd rather live under, man, weighing out my good and and my bad. I'd rather live according to that because that's just easier for me to grasp. And see, what the problem with with our faith and and the world is, is people think this is too good to be true. You mean I don't have to do anything? Oh, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. That's why that Christian stuff is for those weak-minded people. That, that's for them. They need that. They, yeah, I, I can see why they want that. I can see why people run to the church. I mean, because there, there is a talk around about that, that Christianity is a, is, a, is a weak man's faith. I mean, that's, that's, the rea- that's the talk about Christianity. For, it's for weak people. And you know what? I'm weak. Yes. Yes. It's for a weak person. I'm a weak person. It's for broken people. Yes, I'm a broken person. I'm messed up. I need a savior. I need Jesus. God, thank you for not being selective on your grace. But grace is for everyone. It's for everyone. It's for the good person. It's for the bad person. It's for everyone. Don't be selective of your grace because God was not selective of his grace to you. And another thing about grace, and here's another reason what separates, is this, is, this is where people kind of get off the road when it comes to, to our faith. Is that grace only comes through Jesus. 
It only comes through Jesus. You can't have grace without Jesus. You can't do it. Tons of world religions. There's tons of belief systems. There's tons of different faiths. But Jesus is not just one amongst other deities. Jesus is God. Jesus is the only way. And the world has a problem with that. The world has a big problem with that because they say, man, well, how can, how can you, 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 you exclude people if you say that Jesus is the only way? Well, Jesus is the only one that died for me. I choose him. These other folks didn't die for me. These other folks didn't raise their hand and say, hey, I'll take Chris's sin for him. I'll die for him. I'll take his penalty for him. None of those jokers did that for me. But Jesus did. That's why grace can only come through Jesus. John 1, 17 says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's why he's so bold in his statement where he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's no back door. Grace only comes through Jesus. If you want grace, receive Jesus. You want salvation, receive Jesus. He's the gift. He's the gift, and he is the gift that many people reject. He's the gift that many people don't want to receive. Because many are under the impression that God is their killjoy. God's just going to strip me of my fun, and you know what? I still got a lot of life to live. I still got things I got to do. I'm just not ready for that yet. Just, I, don't, I don't want that. And God's like, here, here, take it, take it. That's all right. I'm good. I don't need that right now. And so there is re this rejection of Jesus. There's rejection of the gift, but the grace only comes through Jesus. That's the only way you can receive it is by receiving him. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Like if I could have done this on my own, then hey man, there was no reason for Jesus. Jesus wasted his time. If I could have done this on my own. If I could have done this in my own strength. If I could have done this in my own accord, then man, it was pointless. Like, like take the cross off now, we don't even need it. But it doesn't happen that way. Grace only comes through Jesus. It only comes through Jesus. And finally, the last thing about grace I need you to understand is this, is that grace is for eternity. It is for eternity. I love what Chris said earlier. Eternity covers a whole span of time. There's no boundary in eternity. So grace is for eternity, meaning grace is covering past sins. It's covering present sins. It's covering the sin you're going to commit as soon as you walk out this door today. Grace is for 
eternity. John 3, 16, we all know it, right? Let's just say it. For God so loved the world that he... What kind of life? Everlasting, eternal life. It's for eternity. That is the gift that he gives you. That's how beautiful grace is. That's why I I, I get so amped up about it because I'm like, God, I didn't even deserve it, but yet you gave it to me. Have you ever gotten a gift you didn't deserve? Like you feel kind of awkward about it, right? Like I, I don't really deserve this right now. Like, I, I didn't do anything for this. Like, is this right for me to even have? Like, he said, like it, it, it doesn't feel right. Well, when you begin to look at grace, and you begin to look at the circumstances of grace, the fact that you didn't even deserve it, and yet it was still given, well, that changes things. It really does. It changes things. It should change your perspective on how you see God. It should change your perspective on how you see Jesus. It should change your perspective even in how you live your life. Because keep in mind, I, I, I said it, it wasn't by the works that we do that we, we earn our salvation. It wasn't, it's, it's not by the works that we do that makes God love us anymore. It's not any of those things. It's not about the law. So then why even obey the law? Why even obey the commandment? Why even live right if I'm covered by grace anyway? I, I, I liken the commandments in the law. The only way I can describe it is like wedding vows, right? When I married, when I got married, I, I didn't marry the wedding vows. I married my wife. I keep the vows because I love my wife. Are you following me? Like, I live this way because I love my wife. When I'm out in public without her, I live in a way that honors my wife. I live in a way that honors our marriage. Why? Because I love her. She is a gift to me that I didn't deserve. And it's the same with us in how we live our lives. It's the same in in, in how we we interact with the world. Why, Why do we live this way? Why do we choose to live godly lives? Why do we choose to live lives that, 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 that are perceived as righteous? Why do we live that way? Because we love him. Let me read this to you. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, for the grace of God, we're talking about the grace, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. See, we, we keep the law because we love him. We keep the commandments because we love him. We don't keep it because it earns us any salvation. We don't keep it because we want him to love us more. 
We do it because we want to honor him. And when we don't honor him in that way, we live as ungrateful people. We live as people that are ungrateful for the grace that we've been given. When we don't show others grace, we're living as ungrateful people. Because there was nothing, there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. that would make God love you any less or any more. He gives you Jesus. And my hope is that I'm talking to a bunch of recipients of this beautiful gift of Jesus. Jesus.